Guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Thirsty, thirsty, Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Broadcasting live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena, Austin Horton across the glass from me. No Gordon today. Once again, vacation continues on, so uh, hope Gordon's having a nice time. I hope it's raining, but that he's having a nice time. Maybe some lightning. Oh, there was a lot of lightning at my house last night. Yeah, well... So, uh, here's we, our weather report. The right. They, well, yeah, Gordon's not here, but we've got to start off the right way. Uh, we went out to my brother-in-law's house last night for a little family thing after the, uh, after the show. And, uh, he lives in Stansbury park. And, uh, so we drove when we were coming home, it was right in the middle of the, the show in Salt Lake, so to speak. So that's cool. A little unnerving, but cool. It was cool. Now, uh, my wife and I both drove separately uh, to get there because, you know, the show ends at somewhat of an awkward time for like a dinner event, you know, so I uh, met her out there. But uh, as a result, both of my daughters drove home with me because they wanted to ride with with dad. And and here's this is I, I, I won't make this story long, but here's where I, what I'm trying to adjust to that. There's not with a four year old that there's just not a, always like rationale. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I'm trying to figure this one out, and it's probably never going to happen. But, like, okay, we're coming back from Stansbury Park. Just talk to my guy, Scotty G. Notorious place for speed traps. And I'm not a speeder anyway. So we leave separately than my wife, and we're in front of my wife. And my my daughter starts getting excited about winning the race. Okay, because you're ahead of mom. Yeah. And by, by a little ways, right, by a couple minutes. But— the baby is is not is is grumpy and needs her pinky reinserted, you know. So I pull off the side of the road because we're in Stansbury Park. I mean, once we get on the freeway, it's I'm not. A, it, that's it, right? Right. So I gotta get home, this. Yeah. I gotta I gotta make the magic happen here. So so I stop. You know, I pull into a parking lot. I I get the baby not crying anymore. Get back into the car, and by the time we pull out. My wife is in front of us, and we can and we can see her. No, I take that back. Actually, I take that back. We're still in front, and I didn't see her in my rearview mirror, so I was kind of like, okay, all right, good. So, well, here we go. She's still talking about winning. Like we're gonna win, and uh, I keep telling her it's not a race because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting Phil and Claire Dunphy into racing places like that. <laughs> that's not going to be that's not going to be a thing in our family. So I'm telling you, it's not a race, honey. Okay, let's go. So. We're driving, and then we we get into the rain, and it's raining heavily as we're making the the turn around the mountain by kind of the where the Amazon building is, and uh, out by the past the airport or whatever, 
and the rain is starting to, I mean, it's, I slowed down from 75 or what, whatever it was to, you know, cool it down to 60 or 55. I mean, and so did the people in front of me, right? Because it's raining hard. And then next thing I know, what what do I see? My wife sailing by us and actually had the uh, audacity to wave on the way by. And I, <laughs> I was like, no. And, and my daughter all of a sudden went to like, well, we're going to lose. And just whimpered, whimpered. <laughs> For the rest of the drive home. Now, now it gets it gets better, Austin. Did you then try to catch up to so stop kinda. the whimpering? No, no, I did kind of. And all, all th- this is my parenting mistake is that it did it it shouldn't have mattered because I kept saying like it's not a race, honey. Like we're not racing. I she she knows what the speed limit is, and I tell her we're going to go the speed limit. That's what we do. We're not going to race. And she said, oh, you can still go the speed limit and we can win, but we're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll tell you what, due, due to some traffic circumstances, like her lane slowed down and my lane sped up, I actually moved past my wife. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and actually came, uh, got home before my wife did by, by, you know, 15 seconds or whatever. You won. Right. So when we pulled up to my house, I go, look, honey. Mom's not here. We won. And she the the tears, the whimpering went from to sobbing. Yeah, I know your reaction was Wait, my what? reaction. I don't know. I don't know. She, because just, Ms., was it the way you worded mom's not here? She wouldn't know. She wouldn't tell me. In fact, I said, Well, use your words, which is something I find myself saying all the time. Use your words. What? What? And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Went into the house straight to bed. Like not even changing and stuff, and we we're like, oh, gotta, gotta change. Went to bed before mom got home. Gotta, gotta brush your teeth. No, went sobbing past mom and I right see. into the house. I yeah. see. Not wow. telling us why. So she she was upset that you were no longer winning, and then, then you won, and she was more upset. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I got nothing. And honestly, I, I after she. You know, we got we had to peel her back out of bed and get the pajamas on and brush your teeth and all that stuff. <laughs> and after we, we got her back to sleep, we, I went in my wife. I was like, what did what did I do? What did I do? What? What? And my wife is just like, you know what? She's four. There's not a whole lot of. You know, it's whatever is a straight line from thought yeah, to thought. You right. Know? Whatever her logic is, it's important to her and it isn't necessarily, you know, grounded in in reality. But I just couldn't believe it because I thought, OK. I got ahead of her. Okay, now we can prevent the meltdown because we're going to get home first. And then it just, the situation went from bad to worse. And oh I didn't know. I, I was just like, oh, oh. There's nothing you could do right. You were going to, you were, she was going to cry. I was taking an L. Yeah. That happens all the time in parenting. Taking an L. Yep. Where the kid demands something for so long, you're finally like, fine, I'll do it. Like, like uh, in the middle of the night, I want chocolate milk. I want chocolate milk. It's three in the morning. You're not having chocolate milk. You're going to back to sleep. And then finally, 45 minutes into it, you're like, fine. If it gets us back to bed, I'll go get make some chocolate milk. And then you get back upstairs, you hand them the chocolate milk, and they go, no, thank you. And then you can't react. You say, okay. You have to then go punch a pillow. Here's another thing, and then we'll get off of parenting, and you'll, <laughs> and you'll see why. Do you think people out there, because with parenting, I don't feel like I can complain. Even though I do all the time, I feel bad about complaining, because somewhere listening is is someone with, you know, five kids, six kids, like Gordon, 
you know, who's who's been through it all and back again. Do they look back on two sets do, of twins? Do they hear? Uh, yeah, right. Stuff like that. Do they hear us talking about it and go, ha ha ha? I remember when that happened. Or do they look back on it and go, or do they look hear us talking about it and go, okay, naive Nick, why don't you get yourself together and and carry on? You it know is. what I mean? Like they're what? totally sucking up they're, Buttercup, right? Yeah. Like listen to these two <laughs> boobs complain on the radio about uh, about parenting. It's probably true. This bro- my brother with five kids. Yeah, he's probably got to look at my, what I conceive to be problems and go, "You are so soft." Right? Have you ever had a uh, a kid's birthday party get so out of hand that uh, you're now banned from all Chuck E. Cheese locations? No. Well then. <laughs> Shut the front door, pal. And I don't one kid hear with it, a broken know? leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another kid in the bathroom shaving his eyebrows off his brother. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> I I often wonder about that. Like, really, I really I should be complaining. Oh, my my wife, like my my daughter cried a little bit on the way to bed. You know, with what other uh, other parents out there? It's uh, like Grandma always said, someone has it worse. Right, right. So we probably should honestly suck it up and just probably you know, press but I ain't on. gonna. Press on with the sports news. Okay. It is draft day, after all. Uh, draft coverage officially begins, by the way, coming up at 6 o'clock. My guy, uh, Tim Lacombe, is going to be in studio. I am very much looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Coach Lacombe. You know, it's one of those things, Austin, where I see Coach so much during the basketball season. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing him all the time. And, and then when it's over, I just don't see him anymore. And it's very strange. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. It'd be like if I took a break from seeing you, Austin, for like a, a, a month, a couple of months. It'd be like, it's weird yeah, seeing yeah. Austin. You saw him in his concert. I did. But not a... I saw yeah. the party hounds, yes. I wonder if his voice has bounced back yet. In full effect. Uh, you know, he he gave it his all. That's what I'll say about Coach Lacombe. I did feel for him uh, because his voice did begin to go a little bit. But man, was it fun. Still mad I missed that. It was a good time. It really was. Oh, you couldn't help it. It's all right. Yeah. Again, parenting, kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll be obviously mad slash disappointed at you when when you two see each other. But that's. Oh, I got his letter in the mail. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, it had a lot of four letters in there. Even Gordon went rocking his. Uh... That's what it said in the letter. Gordon found it his way out here, and you couldn't. In You're his dead to me. High priced basketball shoes. <laughs> he did not. Oh, yeah. He wore his J's to the concert? Yeah. Yeah. Those things are going everywhere. Was he wearing gym shorts? I can't remember. (laughs) Probably. Lloyd and I were laughing the other day about the car he pulls up to work in. And then then he's wearing these ratty, holy, fluorescent orange gym shorts. You know what about our guy Gordon, though, is he doesn't put those two things together. (laughs) He does. And that's you, where you he tells I mean? us, I'm not vain. Right. I'm wearing nothing. I, you know, I'm wearing the throwaway Rags. stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally. Sweat-stained fishing hats. Uh, but you're pulling up in a $3 million car. Yeah. So. You roll up in a Ferrari. <laughs> All right. Shouldn't he get pulled over more? The way he describes no, how he drives? But just, I mean, you know, stereotypes alone. When you think, like, that guy's stealing that car. <laughs> I see that beat-up fishing hat. He's wearing slip-ons and a and a, a gym shorts. Right. Yeah. yeah. You you've either escaped from a mental institution, or, or you're you taking st- it to the chop shop. Stolen that car. <laughs> 
I expected to see James Bond. <laughs> Get out of this thing. <laughs> not, not Encino, man. <laughs> not Pauly Shore. <laughs> All right. Um, do we Shall wanna, we do it? Do, yeah, let's let's talk about the draft. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. It's our friend David Locke. Give us your overall gauge on the draft. What type of draft is this? For all the criticism of AAU, I actually think there's some value to like how these guys have faced elite-level talent since they've been 12 years old. And so I think these guys are more ready. So it does seem like at the bottom of the draft, there actually might be some rotation players. So with that in mind, what do you think the Jazz do at 30? If you look at the 30th pick as the best way to make us better sometime in the next two or three years, then I honestly think using the 30th pick in some manner that allows us to re-sign Mike Conley and have Lex tax pressure is probably the correct way to use the 30th pick rather than drafting it. All right, NBA draft uh, tonight. Draft coverage officially begins here on the station at uh, 6 o'clock. Coach Lacombe, as I mentioned, will be here in studio. That was David talking about what we may see. I remain pretty convinced, and uh, honestly, just because I think it's the wisest move for the franchise, that the Jazz move one way or another off of 30. I would guess, well, from there, the conversation begins uh, at how big a move do we expect to see? Is it they just move back and add a second at some point, a future first? I don't know if if you could uh, get some juice out of that 30th pick because maybe there's uh, somebody who slides and somebody's still available. And, you know, we've seen it uh, dozens of times on, on draft night. So maybe it's one of those. Um Maybe it's I, – I think the likelihood of this is low personally, but maybe they package a veteran with the pick and move up. I don't think that they're going to be able to move up very far. The draft experts that we've talked to on this show seem to think that uh, most of the top ten is pretty dug in. Now maybe we'll see and, and picks will be flying, but most of the top ten is pretty dug in to, to make a pick in this draft, which seems to be pretty good. Um I don't know if the Jazz would have an asset to be able to move up to, you know, a, a really top pick in this draft. So it would seem to me that the likelihood of moving up is low, but maybe it's a situation where we see them move up because they think they can get a player who can contribute immediately and they're also able to move off of a salary. It's maybe something along those lines, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's moving off of a salary for you know this and a future pick. I mean, it if the Jazz that's kind of in the medium category, right? And so I, you know, I don't know if that's the most likely of scenarios. But but then you get to the extreme stuff, Austin, and I think this the likelihood of this is extremely low. But maybe if a big name moves, if Ben Simmons moves, if Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, if one of these big names moves. How involved, if at all, are the Utah Jazz? That's a good, yeah. Maybe they are involved, but maybe as a facilitator. To not, make it work. Yeah. Right. And in, and so the 30th pick goes in on that. And, and maybe that's uh, how they add, uh, you know, somebody that can contribute, the the rangy two-way guy, something like that. You know, maybe that's the way that uh, they figure out to, to add somebody like that. They have tradable contracts, and I know – you know, fans out there are pretty attached to some of the guys that uh, are going to come up if conversations are had. And, you know, thinking Derek Favors, Joe Ingles, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, 
you know, I I don't know if the Jazz would turn around and and trade Jordan Clarkson after just signing him, but maybe that's one. Royce O'Neal's deal is so good. I doubt that they really want to move him, but maybe he's somebody that could could add value to a trade. So, you know, I think the Jazz will make a trade tonight. I do. But how you know, how aggressive is that trade? I don't know. Uh, I think it was uh, was it you, Austin, who brought it up yesterday that that Zanuck, you know, maybe he wants to come out of the the gate swinging a little bit. He's got he's been aggressive in the past, and maybe tonight we see something major happen. It, could, it was I was mentioning uh, Ben Anderson's thoughts, yeah, uh, to Hant, to Scotty yesterday that he could see. He said he could perceive Zanuck wanting to put an aggressive stamp on it. I'm I don't know about that myself. I think that you're right. I think the Jazz make a move. If it's a splash, if it's a big move, I will be surprised. But I won't be surprised if it's something more of the not not necessarily small, but more minor than that. To because Jake, they want to re-sign Mike Conley. He's going to cost a lot of money. They have to spend that money only on Mike Conley if they're going to spend it. But then that ties them up for several years, and they can't then go spend any other money on other free agents. So maybe they want to move some money tonight to help in a future year, in a future offseason. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, here's the thing. Locke brought this up yesterday. Um, the Jazz, what do he say? Uh, players 789, I believe is what he said. Uh, they pay those players more than any, any other team in the league. And as the Jazz stars, thinking about Rudy and Donovan, start to come in, uh, you know, to these more lucrative contracts. And Gordon and I have been talking about this for years. As they come into those more lucrative contracts, more and more responsibility falls on their shoulders. So, you know, the depth is going to become less and less of a thing, which means that those big salary guys are going to have to carry more of the load. See, see LeBron James in the big three in Miami uh, when they initially, now they, they were able to work out some other things as years went along and add some additional players. But, you know, remember the, the Miami Heat team when the big three just got there, Austin? It was awful outside of those three players because they, they didn't have two pennies that they could spend. Carlos Arroyo was their starting uh, point guard. He was the starter? Wow. He was the starter. I don't know if he was the starter the whole season, but like opening night, there was your guy, Carlos Arroyo, on that Miami Heat team. They just didn't have they, – they spent all of their money on those three players, and they had to carry them wherever that team was going to go, which was a loss in the finals to the Mavericks? Mavericks, yep. Dirk Nowitzki, yeah. So it was those three and, uh, you know, a, a ward ball team. And pretty amazing, actually, when you think about it that way, that they got the team that far. Was Udonis Haslam even part of that team? I yet? think he was. Was he? But... but I think he was a younger player. And and Udonis was a very. It turned into a very good role player, uh, you know, at his peak. But of course, he was never, you know, a, he was never going to be your first, second, or third, fourth, fifth, even best player on the team, probably. And that's why some people I've heard them say this. I don't know if I really agree with it, but some people believe LeBron left a more talented overall team in Cleveland for the Miami Heat. Now, it's hard to think that when you've got Bosch, LeBron, and Wade combined on one roster, but the rest of the help in Miami compared to the rest of the help in Cleveland, people say was inferior. I would... I My answer to that would be you forget how bad that Cleveland team was. <laughs> they were in the NBA Finals. And got drummed out of it. And it was like, do you remember how bad that team was? It was like Mo Williams. 
His his second and third best players were uh, Mo Williams and uh, Antoine Jameson. Uh, and Antoine Jameson was old. And big. And not as big as Antoine Walker and once not got, but, yeah. particularly productive. You, they went to the worst team in the league when LeBron left. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That happened in Cleveland twice. All right. Well, the the point being the the roster in Miami uh, was not a diamond when they first started together. Okay. All right. The conference uh, realignment talk continues on. Rondo Felberg, by the way, is going to be on the show at the top of the five o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. We'll dive into it. Coming up next, it's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Take me home to the place The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, band of the day today, John Denver. Brought to you by Live Nation. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to LiveNation.com. I'm not going to get into why we picked John Denver. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. He's worthy of our ears. What is your favorite John Denver song? This one. Is it? Yep, that's why I chose it first, yeah. Uh, did you know he wrote Leaving on a Jet Plane? I did know that. Yeah. Have I said that Are you going to throw in a Gordon Monson thing here? No, no, no. I'm not trying to make it. every time we have John Denver's band of the day, that's where we go. I'm not trying to make a joke that is legit my favorite John Denver song. Because then Gordon goes, isn't that ironic? Yeah, yeah. But I like that song. I like like both famous versions of that song. Oh, do you? His and, uh, what is it, the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, I prefer his, though. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can see that. But an incredible artist. I don't like that his name is not Denver, and I don't like that he's not from West Virginia. But Where is he from? I don't know. New York or someplace? Not West Virginia? Yeah, and but he made John a lot of money Denver. off that song. Yeah, he did live in the Rockies, though, at one point, he, right? Well, eventually, I believe, yeah. yeah so let's but see. an incredible singer-songwriter, yeah. Uh, Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> okay. Born on New Year's Eve, 1943. He essentially, there was a, a songwriting wife and husband that wrote uh, Country Roads, and he lived with them and performed at, a, at the same coffee shops in New York, and he essentially bought that song from them for like 100 bucks and then became what he became. Wow. So it bothers me a little bit. That's how that's just, how the business goes. Just a little bit. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Does it, bug of, you, does it bug you that Creedence Clearwater Revival is from like Southern California? It does. It does. <laughs> It does. Born on the Bayou, no. It's like no. it's like Larry the Cable Guy. He does not. He's not from the South. He doesn't have that accent. His name's Dan. He's really? fr- yeah. He's from Nebraska. He's not. He but he knows how to. You got to go make that money. Make that character work for him. At least Jeff Foxworthy's he's from Atlanta, right? I don't know. Speaking of things though, that don't seem as they are, the Big Twelve is still in the. News. All right, should we should we talk uh, conference expansion? Because this is this is the greatest story to ever hit sports. We can all agree, right? I mean, I, I tweeted out a video today, Austin, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it was basically in your, your the movie zone, 
Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays here on the Zone Sports Network with the world famous Austin Horton. But uh, the what the American Hustler is that what the the movie is? So so it's either American Hustler or the Hustle. There's I think it's the Hustle. I think so because I think I get them mixed up all the time with uh, Bradley what? Cooper. He's in both. American Hustler is American Hustler is uh, with Jennifer Lawrence. The Hustle is not. If I'm, but anyway. I think it is the hustle. The hustle is is what it is. Yeah, with Amy yeah. Adams and Christian Bale. That's the one. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence, Jeremy Renner. Yeah. This. Oh, one. she's in that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So see, I'm mixed up. But it's a, it's the hustler. Yeah. Uh, the hustle. Or is this hustle. American? No, it it is American hustle. Jeez. Whatever. It's hustle. There's Americans. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's that movie. Anyway, and uh, it's. It's him coming into a room, basically Bradley Cooper, and celebrating with a bunch of people. And there's somebody miserable who he, in the corner, kind of that uh, Bradley Cooper pretty much humiliates. And long and short of it, it's got all the the SEC schools as uh, you know their insignia on a character. And it's it, Texas A&M is the one who's being humiliated, and Texas is the one doing the humiliating. And it's it, it couldn't be more on the money. I mean, it really couldn't. All right, so we we lived through the saga on the show yesterday. The breaking news that comes out, love that. Uh, you know, in live radio, we're adjusting to what's coming out minute by minute. Um, but we found out that the Big Twelve sent a cease and desist to ESPN because ESPN, uh, and it wasn't entirely about Texas and Oklahoma, but it is. But they weren't complaining that ESPN meddled in the Texas Oklahoma thing, even though they did. But what it was basically was ESPN is encouraging another league to have conversations with existing members about leaving the Big 12. And this was this was uh, Bullsby's responses to send a cease and desist uh, to ESPN, all uh, adding to that ESPN's motivation is that the Big 12 get dissolved so that Texas and Oklahoma don't owe the conference a red cent. That's what Bullsby's going with, and he's yeah. going with a cease and desist to one of his partners, to the company that's writing him checks. I mean, it's a what's it? What's that movie? Uh, what what movie is it? It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Dodgeball. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, yeah, uh, Michael Bluth. In Jason Do- Bateman in yeah. dodgeball, it's a and bold Ga- move. And Gary Cole, yeah, it's a it's a bold move. Let's let's see if it pays off for him. I mean, I you, I did not see that coming um, one bit. So the Big Twelve is uh, is pulling out all the stops, which which must mean that they are desperate. Oh yeah, they have to be. Yeah, the but, the 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 field is burning around them. But let's think about the great irony here for a second. The Big 12 is complaining about something that they've been doing for a long time. But when it worked in the Big 12's favor, because they were the 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 big boy, the older brother, so to speak, when it was working for them, it was, all right, no problem. What are you complaining about? You'd be lucky. You're lucky to, that we're calling you. You know, think. BYU, Memphis, Cincinnati, think of all, all those schools that, you know, the Big 12's talking to. And I'm sure that uh, the American, because that's the news today, of course, that the American uh, Athletic Conference is the conference that's calling the remaining Big 12 schools. But the Big 12 have, has been doing this to the American Conference for years. 
years. Years. And, and the American wasn't sending cease and desists and, uh, and all this crybaby stuff. It's delicious. So now, it's so good. So now it's happening the other way. And the Big 12 commissioner is, is having a fit. Cease and desist. I've, uh, there's, uh, there's been very few times in my career that, uh, that uh, I've been sent cease and desist orders. Uh, and, I, and we don't need to get into it, but it has happened a few times. And, and it's always. Let's get into it. The most ridiculous, unreasonable stuff. Well, one time we deserved it because we did it knowing that we were going to get it, but it didn't really matter. The, yeah, that's not the one I know of. The one I know of was fun. Well, the most notorious one is the cease and desist we did not get. Ah. And that was, I think we were the only radio station in town that did not get a Chad Bunn cease and desist. And if anybody deserved a Chad Bunn cease and desist, it was probably me. It was you. Yeah, it was, you started that whole thing. And uh, and uh, we did not. But, um, you know, it's it's not usually a very effective move. Let me put it that way. And usually it's like a shake of the fist. Don't you make me come back there. Right. Now, if it if stuff continues, then you get uh, you can get into more litigious stuff uh, down the line, which, by the way, ESPN doesn't care about because they're just going to deny everything like they did yesterday. And there's, you know, they go about their merry way. It's nothing the Big 12 can do. Nothing. And I'm sure somewhere Carl Benson, the old commissioner of the WAC, is laughing because he handled this with way more dignity than Bob Bolsme is. <laughs> Amazing. Carl Benson. <laughs> he handled this with way more dignity than what's going on with the Big 12. But I, I do think it's fascinating because, you know what? It'd be better for most everybody if that happened. And if ESPN can can figure out a way to to find a landing spot for all those Big 12 schools and solve a problem on the other end for their new pals, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, then, man, got to tip your cap. And I still think they could find a way to get BYU into that AAC and do BYU a solid. Hans and Scotty were talking about it earlier, and we'll hear that snippet in what's going on later, Jake. But I'm really excited. When you have Rondo on, you got to ask him about uh, his thoughts on the Big 12 getting a taste of their own medicine because I'm sure yeah. he is liking this as much as we are. Oh, yeah. It, don't Don't feel bad for the Big 12. They've been doing this to other conferences for years, and now the shoe's on the other foot, and they're like, oh, ma, cease and desist. Unfair. Because if you remember, the last time they feigned conference expansion, that was all about a loophole in a TV deal where that they'd get an automatic amount if they added other schools, and it was basically this big threat. It was. It was all a fake. It was, yeah. it was all. It, it and was, BYU got hurt more than anybody that time. I mean, that sucked. So, sorry? Sorry you're feeling bad? Well, in, in all honesty, and this is this is the game, right? Uh, the fact that that move probably didn't please ESPN, I'm guessing. So, ESPN's feelings probably aren't that hurt either. Right, exactly. They're probably going to the, the who's the, what's his name, Bob Oresco, the, the commissioner of the AAC, is yep. that right? Mm -hmm. They're probably going to him saying, hey, guess what, Bob? It's your lucky day. Because we're going to help you sink the Big 12. Yep, Bob. And by the way, we're not having this conversation. 
a guy who has joined DJ and PK in the past to talk about the the AAC's plans with BYU if it ever were to come down. I'm telling you, Jack, I think it's going to happen. I think it has a chance. To. I I really would love to see BYU back in the league. I but per- you'll believe it when you see it? I personally would like to see it be the Mountain West. I get why people are resistant to that, but, you know, it's fine. But if it's the AAC, so be it. I want to see BYU back in the league. I find It'd it more be better in- for them. I find it more interesting. Purely selfish take right there. I just I missed the I missed the conference race. I miss all of that. All right, stay tuned. We will have more big show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 the zone. He was born in the summer of his 27. This is the big show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. When he first came to the mountains, his life was far away. On the road, hanging by a song. But the string's already broken, and he doesn't really care. It's a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. I uh, want to remind you, the Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day, 1.30, as Hanson Scotty. Announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah. They catch down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only here on the Zone Sports Network. Uh, Eric filling in for Austin for just a moment. I know they're in the 20s. What number did they hit today? Do you know? Not sure? All right. Well, uh, they're in the 20s as the guys uh, creep toward the, the start of the college football season. Great. Uh, uh, the 1660 is awesome. Uh, tune in every day at uh, 1.30. Uh, we will get to what's going on coming up at the top 3 o'clock hour. We will check in with uh, DJ and PK. Uh, DJ weighed in on uh, what the Jazz should do with the pick tonight in the draft. And Hans and Scotty uh, went the conference expansion route. We'll find out what they think is the fate of BYU as this all plays out. But uh, speaking of uh, conference expansion, I thought this was uh, kind of funny. We uh, we talked about it in the last segment. But um, Steve Spurrier. Now, this is I, – I love Coach Spurrier because he, he doesn't give a what. Even when he was coaching, he would just say whatever. And um, he, he's talking about uh, conference expansion. Here's his quote. He says, quote, I can understand Texas jumping over. They get to play Texas A&M again. They get to, well, well, they can't win the Big 12 anyway. I think they've only won two in the last 30 years or so. And then it says, what is it? So taking a shot at Texas that uh, they can't win the Big 12 anyway, so they might as well uh, bounce and uh, come over to the SEC. And, yeah, Texas uh, has woefully underachieved since the Vin- Vince Young days. And even previously before that, you could argue they underachieved. But the fact is, is Texas is Texas. They have the big brand. They have the big value. And, uh, yeah, they're going to uh, be wanted in whatever league uh, would have them, certainly, because of that. But as far as on the field goes, which matters very little in these conference expansion matters, by the way. But as far as on the field goes, Texas has a long way to go to be competitive uh, in the SEC, I think. 
I mean, they're going to run into a different type of defense, and their offenses haven't been very good in the Big 12. So it's going to be a different world for them in the SEC. I, I don't know. This this may be a stretch, but, you know, I, I think when Utah went to the Pac-12 and there was, uh, you know, a difference in the style and uh, in the talent level, and maybe it won't be as extreme for Texas, but it'll be a, it'll be a difference. It'll be a uh, it'll be a big time difference. I mean, it it ties into a youth conversation that we had the other day. Um, you know, Charlie Brewer, uh, PK, and I were talking to uh, I, I think it was Britton Covey about this. Might have been Coach Witt, uh, but uh, Charlie Brewer coming from the Big Twelve, where they're not exactly, you know, playing the firmest of defenses, and that's going to be adjustment for him as he gets into the Pac twelve, where they're a little bit more, um, you know. Uh, play a little bit uh, firmer brand of defense, at least at uh, at some schools, and that will be adjustment that uh, that Charlie Brewer will have to make if indeed he does uh, get that starting job at the University of Utah. But you know, we'll see when Texas actually begins playing in the SEC. I do not believe it will be uh, all the way until 2025 when their grant of rights agreement is up. I, I'm sure that there is some accuracy, as we talked about through the report, that ESPN is trying to, you know, get the Big 12 to fold so uh, that uh, that Texas and Oklahoma can go right away and not pay any exit fees. I, I absolutely 100% believe that. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see exactly when that happens. But when it does, I I don't believe – I well, let me put it this way. I certainly I, – I think Oklahoma is more equipped to succeed in the SEC right away than Texas, and I think Oklahoma is going to take some lumps. Now, maybe people out there say, come on, Oklahoma's a heck of a program, Lincoln Riley, on and on and on. Yeah, I, I, I got it. But it seems to me that every time they've gotten into the playoff, which has somehow been a, a bunch over the last 10 years – uh, it seems to me they get their trash kicked on the reg. So we'll see how that goes uh, as they get into the SEC because the Big 12 has not been a particularly strong football league uh, over the last 10 years. I mean, it, it it had the year right there at the beginning where TCU and Baylor uh, were both undefeated at the same time and they both got left out of the playoff and it was this big controversy. And, uh, you know, I think – you know, they got screwed to a certain extent, and then the Big 12 puts in the the title game, and they say, we're never going to let that happen again. But, you know, past that, truth is Oklahoma has, you know, pretty much dominated the league because they've put up these gaudy offensive numbers because the Big 12 decided our brand is going to be no defense, all scoring, all yards, all this stuff, and then all of a sudden Oklahoma goes in to play, you know, teams that actually play on both sides of the ball, and it hasn't necessarily gone well. Lincoln Riley, I think, is a, is a great coach, but, I mean, I think it's going to be an adjustment for Oklahoma as well, and I, do, I think Oklahoma is more equipped to handle that adjustment uh, than Texas is. So, you know, we'll see. But, uh, but Spurrier's right. They can't, even win, uh, they can't even win the Big 12 twice in the last 30 years. So what's, uh, who's to think uh, that uh, all of a sudden they're going to come in and uh, be a real threat to, to win the SEC. I just uh, I just don't see that happening. So, And I think one of those Big 12 titles, by the way, in the, in the last 30 years, one of them, I believe, obviously was with Vince Young. I think the other, I'd have to go back and look, but I think it was one of those they pulled an upset in the Big 12 title game because they went on to play Virginia Tech in, uh, in the BCS game. And I remember it being a huge letdown because Texas wasn't the – you know, the team that was supposed to be there. I think it was Nebraska maybe that they'd ups- upset. I'd have to go back and look at it. But it's not like Texas has absolutely dominated uh, that uh, 
that uh, uh, conference. And and really, they don't have any excuse. We'll see. Maybe they get the right hire. Maybe start Steve Sarkeesian is is the right hire. And Gordon always pushes back when I bring this sort of thing up. But you know, college football is about built-in advantages. In the past, now they're going away from this with name, image, and likeness. But in the past, the NCAA has been set up to even the playing field as much as possible. But the truth is, you can't even it all the way. And certain programs are always going to have more of a built-in advantage than others. And unlike professional sports where there's a draft that is designed to create parity uh, amongst the franchises and amongst the teams. In college football, it feeds on itself, right? The, the, the better your season goes, presumably the better your recruiting is, leading to more success in the in the future and vice versa of course right that's why we see universities get stuck in ruts so often you know if if you struggle your recruiting isn't going to be good and it kind of feeds off of itself and it's tough to uh it's tough to turn those things around but i mean there are a certain amount of programs out there that if you're not winning it's your fault and texas is one of those programs and they yeah, I mean it. It is. It's why Texas A&M doesn't like them. It's like a lot of uh, why a lot of universities don't like them. I I think USC is one of those universities. I I think Oregon has become one of those universities. Um, you know, Ohio State certainly. Um, I don't I don't think Michigan. Well, maybe Michigan is still in that category. I don't know. I would have thought Jim Harbaugh would be would be better. But there uh, there are certain schools out there that if you're not winning, it's your fault. I think that was true about Alabama for years and years and years, and then Nick Saban comes in and gets him uh, gets him going in the right direction. There was like a uh, who was it, uh, Eric? You're kind of a, a, a football historian. Well, which Shula was it that took over Alabama for a hot second and was just a disaster? Was it Mike? Probably Mike. Shula. I think it was. I think it was Mike. It was. Let one me of, double it, check. It that. was one of Don's sons who took over there at Alabama. Uh, Hans would know because I think BYU played him at that point. But any anyway. Alabama didn't get it right for years and years and years. USC didn't get it right uh, for uh, uh, several years until they they found Pete Carroll and and you know got back on top of the world. And, it, and then you know Pete Carroll goes and USC has struggled to find a, a coach who can come in and and maximize those uh, those resources. But the truth is the resources are still there, and a lot of it has to do with recruiting. But you combine. Uh, you know, you combine the 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 brand and the alumni base and all these sorts of things with uh, the ability to recruit at Texas. You you in Texas, you are the number one university in the hotbed of high, of high school football across the country. And you know, there are there are three to four major states, of course, that uh, it's high school football, and it's it's Texas, it's California, it's Florida, and it's Georgia. Randomly, a lot of people don't know that that Georgia really. Uh, puts out uh, an unbelievable amount of, uh, of college football players. But um, Texas is the one. I mean, they, they are the, the big boy. And so the University of Texas has their pick of whomever. You know, you should be a, a great football program. And they haven't been. I mean, they haven't been since Mac Brown had it going there for a minute with Vince Young. And then, of course, we know BYU and Taysom Hill steamroll them. And uh, that sealed the deal for Mac Brown. And he was fired at the end of the year. Had to fire I. You know, had to fire his defensive coordinator basically on the bus on the way back to the airport because of the way Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill ran for like 600 yards in a game. I'm exaggerating, of course. It was Mike Shula, right? Okay, there, I get there you go. 26 and 23. They only lasted three years there. Yeah, 2003, yeah. 2006. Yeah, because if you're going 26 and 23 in Alabama, you don't know your uh, your backside from a hole in the ground. You, you pointed out something interesting about Texas being a hotbed. 
do you think that gets inflated a little bit? Do you because so? Texas Texas does get these great even when they were in the Big Twelve, they did get these great recruiting classes. They're always ranked in the top five to ten of recruits. But still, Texas, like you've mentioned, hasn't been very good in the Big 12. So here's the thing about recruiting rankings. They mean nothing. Well, kind of nothing. But the fact that Texas is recruiting players is the reason that they're getting high marks, and thus Texas is almost guaranteed a great recruiting class. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It's it's, it's not necessarily coaches who are giving these ratings. It's, uh, you know... Uh, Lay lay people? Does that make it? It's, right. it's normal mouth breathers like you and me who are saying, oh, wow, if Urban Meyer, or uh, not Urban Meyer anymore, but I guess if, if Ohio State's offering Ryan this Day. guy, he must, Ryan Day, he must be the most unbelievable player on the planet. But you're you're not, you're remembering that these guys miss too and that it's an inexact science. And in addition to, once you get them on campus, you have to coach them the right way to maximize their abilities. Look at, well, let's talk about Kyle Whittingham for a second here. You know, we, we make jokes about how he switches uh, all the, the great talent to defense, but the truth is Kyle Whittingham has an unbelievable eye to look at talent and see uh, once they – get into his program and doing the things that he wants them to do where they are truly going to flourish. And it's it's one of his great skills. And coaches, a lot of coaches don't have that. Devin Lloyd at Pac-12 Media Day. Eric, I don't know if you heard it. I know you were working, so I, I would guess that you probably did. But he did you hear him talk about going from wide receiver to safety to linebacker? Yeah. And when Utah recruited him, they're like, yeah, it, it's cute that he played wide receiver and all. And yeah, yeah, you you did fine in safety, but trust us, you're a linebacker. Right. You know? And I, I would guess if we talk to Coach Witt, we know all the success stories, right? But I bet there are plenty of players that are like, you know what, I'm not going to come to Utah because I don't want to play linebacker. And that's the difference between Utah and Texas. And, right. And Herman and whatever is, is that Whittingham can develop the talent even if it's not – Utah's in a different spot, right, because they get the lower – graded recruits but they have a better development system so in the end their talent comes out to match but are they really lower rated recruits that's the point is it is we're getting caught up in rankings and all this stuff again eric weddle was a two-star eric weddle started the day he set, stepped on campus for the university of utah the first practice he right, had but that's because they the said coaches, wow we've got something here that's because the coaches did a great job developing him right sure but but why wasn't here here is an nfl i mean you can certainly argue hall of famer Right. Hall of Famer, you know? He's a two-star. I used to work with my friend Kyle Gunther, uh, and, and Kyle was a captain at Utah and a fine player. Uh, he was ranked higher than he was ranked higher than uh, our guy Eric Weddle, right? Eric Weddle goes uh, to be one of the, the best safeties, if not for a time, the best safety in the NFL. And, and again, it's not like he was a, a, a late bloomer at Utah where one of these guys who plays on their way as a walk-on and by a senior, they're an NFL guy or – you know, like uh, our guy Christian Cox, it wasn't like he was. Christian came into Utah as a walk-on and uh, developed and made himself a better player and all this stuff, and eventually was a, was a captain and, and a star of the team. Eric Weddle started day one. Day one. On a really good Utah team, by the way. And that's still all coaching. Because no, it's not. He was really good. Because just they, because of a no, bunch of they, writers but, and coaches had their head up their backside and didn't realize how good he was. But right, but didn't he was Ky- still good. Didn't Kyle Whittingham pick him out and say, "Okay, these recruiting rankings are clearly wrong"? 
Well, it was, uh, I don't know if it was 100% wit. It was uh, while Urban Meyer was there, so I don't know if uh, right, that was Witt's recruiting ground. But, yeah. the, the I mean, they, they identified him as a talent, but he was still talented. So the recruiting rankings don't like, matter. They they don't they don't matter because they miss all the time both ways, right? I mean, look at the Elite Eleven for example. How many? If you uh, PK did a really good job of this one time, where you break down the percentage of the amount of transfers for Elite of Eleven quarterbacks, which means they either get on the field and fail, or they're not good enough to get on the field in the first place. It's like seventy five percent. It's crazy. And that's that's you know supposedly the best quarterback experts in high school football saying this guy's the best guy and this guy's the best guy and this guy's the best guy. Let's get them all together. They're not the best guys. They're for whatever reason judged that way, and sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not. Recruiting rankings are a funny thing, and it it breaks both ways. You know how many five star recruits were actually two star recruits, and how many Eric Weddles are out there where were good day one. Not late bloomers, but good. People just missed. Uh, uh, I know we're late, but let's go to I'll, – I'll, I'll go to two. Do you know who um, Reggie Bush's quarterback in high school was? No. Alex Smith. Do you know who Reggie – who the wide receiver was on that team? You remember Todd Watkins who played for BYU? Mm-hmm. Remember him? The receiver he was a baller. He was awesome. Todd Watkins and Alex Smith didn't get recruited hardly at all – because the offense that they ran down there was all about Reggie Bush, and they won a state title, but they did that giving Reggie Bush the ball 100,000 times. So, you know, what's the recruiting rating on Alex Smith, who turns out to be the number one pick in the draft? That's that's where my point is, though, Jake. I'm not arguing that recruiting matters, that, that recruiting rankings matter that much. I'm saying that coaching and the way coaches scout players and view them the fact that urban meyer picked out alex smith from that group and was able to denote the talent that's what sets great programs apart because sure alabama might have the best recruiting class every year but somebody's still got to develop them. Yeah, but but here's the thing first of all it was ron mcbride that spotted alex smith and it's kind of a funny story that that goes into that second what you're talking about is hilarious because they lucked into Alex Smith playing in the first place. Urban Meyer didn't pick him out of the group. Brett Elliott got hurt. Brett Elliott was the starter on that team. Urban Meyer looked at the two players, and Brett Elliott was a fine quarterback, by the way, played for the Chargers for a hot second. But look, the great Urban Meyer had the number one draft pick to choose from, Alex Smith. the best, One of the best players in college football would eventually. He had to pick between he and Brett Elliott. He picked Brett Elliott. Brett Elliott gets hurt in the second game of the season, and it was off to the races with Alex Smith. I mean, it's it's such an inexact science that you have to, well, you have to be lucky sometimes, but yeah, you have to be good at spotting talent, developing it, and recruiting rankings just because Texas isn't top five doesn't mean anything. But they do have the advantage of being able to get any player they want, and if you can't identify those players, then... You shouldn't be long for Texas. All right, we'll get to what's going on coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.